Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Repros for Iowa. I'm your host, Micah Doolin, and my pronouns are they, them, she. Um, so we did it. This is the last episode of season one. This is the season one wrap up. Um, so what I did is I reached out to everyone that has been on the season so far um, and asked them if they wanted to come on and do one big finale with me. And a few people responded saying that they'd be be willing to come back on and talk with me um, and other people. Um, so that's what we did. We got together um, last week and we had a Zoom Zoom meeting and I asked some questions and everybody was able to introduce themselves and get to know each other a little bit better. And then we got down to it. We were able to talk about some issues and what's going to be happening next for Iowa and nationwide regarding our reproductive health care and then also LGBTQ issues as well. Um, so I'm really excited to air this interview. I think it's really important um, that uh, we are able to get together and have this conversation with each other. Um, I think it's amazing and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to it. Um, but before we get to that, um, I just want to say I am sorry that this episode is a day late. Um, so normally I air these episodes on Saturday. Today is Sunday. Um, but I was just, I was too busy yesterday to get around to airing the episode. Um, I thought I would have time, um, but some things came up that I just thought were more important than doing the, the podcast. Um, I have a friend um, and her car um, had a flat tire, and so we were needing to get it towed, and she needed a ride um, up there to where her car was at in order to have it towed. Um, so I was able to do that. And then while we were trying to get the tire off the wheel, um, Walmart said that they couldn't change the tire for us for some crappy reason. Um, and it's just been a really frustrating um, afternoon yesterday trying to deal with that. Um, and we're still trying to figure out how to get her tire changed because lug nuts are rusted on. And it's really frustrating because... Um, I really want to just help this friend out, um, but I'm feeling a little powerless right now because there's not a lot I can do. I've tried everything under the sun, um, but I'm hoping that um, there's some other people within the community that are a little bit more knowledgeable that are able to help out as well. Um, so we're trying to get it taken care of. But yeah, that's what I was mostly doing yesterday, um, all afternoon. Um, and I just thought that that was more important um, than airing this episode. Um, because I like to be there for my friends. Um, and then also yesterday we had our counter protest at Emma Goldman Clinic. So yesterday was the 49th anniversary of Roe v. Wade um, and the right to life of Johnson County um, decided that they were going to show up to protest the Emma Goldman Clinic um, and us pro-choice um, pro-reproductive justice advocates decided um, that we wanted to beat them to the spot so they can't. We just didn't want that injustice to, to go unnoticed, you know. Um, so somebody had sent out the tweet and um, somebody else had sent out the tweet. Um, so I'm really thankful that they caught that um, and they were able to rally a bunch of people to show up and show the Right to Life Clinic that there are people that support 
the right to choose and the right to safe legal abortions and that we support the Emma Goldman Clinic. Um, so that was really awesome to see. Um, it went pretty well. It only lasted for about an hour because I, I don't know what they are hoping to accomplish. I don't know what the point of standing across from an abortion clinic for an hour accomplishes, honestly. Um, but we were there. Um, we did it. Um, we were able to get to the sidewalk right in front of the clinic first. So they actually had to stand across on the opposite street. Um, so that was pretty nice. Um, and it was a good time. I'm, I'm glad and I'm really proud of everybody who showed up yesterday and also the people that organized it. Um, so thank you for those organizers or to those organizers that did that. Um, and then also we had our own event yesterday, um, me and some community members um, put together a little virtual online event and online bake sale. We were able to raise about $150 for the Emma Goldman Clinic. Uh, so I'm really happy that we were able to do that. I was able to make my bake sale deliveries today um, and whatever items we have left over, I'm probably going to donate that to a food pantry or to a shelter. Um, so the food's not just going to waste. Um, so yeah, it was just a really busy day yesterday. Um, but I'm pretty, um, so I've, yeah, I've just been stressed out for <laughs> like the last week because of that event. Um, and then, you know, what happened with the car um, I really hope we can get that fixed um, because my friend desperately, you know, everybody needs to have a car um, in this day and age. Um, but yeah, that was going on. That was why I was so busy. <laughs> Not just talking about it. It's just like, ooh, that was a lot. Um, but what else is going on in my life? Um, I get to go on vacation. I think I said that last time, but I'm excited for my vacation. Um, I'm going to try to try to relax and uh, we're going to Florida. So a nice walk on the beach ought to do it. I think I don't know how warm it is going to be down there. I think it, we looked it up and it said it was only going to be in the 60s. But 60 is better than like negative degrees. So it should be warmer than here in Iowa. So that will be nice. Um, also, I am officially seven months sober so, yay. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, what else? Um, so I, I did it. I messed up pretty bad last year around May. Um, I got into some legal trouble because of my drinking. And I, the reason why I'm taking a break for a while is because I have to deal with that, um, within the next couple of months. And, um, I have been really stressed out about it, and it's, like, making me lose sleep at night. Um, I think that's why a lot of the time I've been feeling like a failure and kind of like a monster. Um, and I'm kind of in survival mode right now um, and um, just kind of, like, in crisis mode because I know that it's coming up, and I'm just, like, trying to do whatever I can do to get by. Um and um, I'm just, I'm scared because I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think everything will be okay if I just do what I need to do and just get through it uh, for the two months that I'm supposed to be doing this. Um, but um, 
you know, it's scary because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and if I mess up, then I mess up. And, um, you know, um, yeah, it's just, it's putting me under a lot of stress, um, lately. And I've, I've been feeling it in my body. I've been having some gut issues. Like I have a knot in my gut at all times recently. Um, it's been making it hard to like eat and stuff and I'm just really stressed out. So I'm hoping like the vacation and like, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe I should start doing yoga for, for the week's leading up to that or something. I don't know. I don't know what to do um, other than just get through it because that's all I can do. Like I have to do it and I have to get through it. Um, But yeah, I don't want to go into too much detail. I mean, I think you can probably draw, draw like a little picture of where I'm going and what I'm doing. Um, But yeah, it's, it's pretty scary. And, um, I just, I hope I make it and I hope everything goes smoothly. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's what's going on with my life. Um, I started, um, the boys on Amazon prime and that's the superhero show where the superheroes are actually like the bad guys. And it's a pretty good show. Um, I've been thoroughly enjoying it. I'm like almost done with season two. And so, um, yeah, I've just, that's what I've been watching. I don't know. I wanted to add something lighthearted in there because I don't know who doesn't like a good superhero show, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah. Okay. So enough about me and my rambling thoughts. (laughs) Let's get to the interview. Um, I just want to say thank you all for your support and for your yeah, for your support and thanks for the people that have come on to talk to me um, so far. Um, you know, it means the world to me. This podcast wouldn't be possible without you guys. Um, so thank you so much. Um, I am so excited to be back here within a couple of months and to continue the show. And um, I just want to thank you guys for being open and honest and for supporting reproductive justice um, as well as other social justice issues. I I think it's wonderful to see Um, you guys have taught me so much. You've really made me engaged and this has, um, yeah, it's it's meant the world to me. Um, I am tearing up now, (laughs) Um, but yeah, that's it. I just wanted to say thanks. Um, and yeah, that's it. Let's get to the interview. Um, I will see you all in a couple of months. Um, and yeah, thank you. Okay. So, uh, please say your name. Uh, where are you located right now? Your pronouns and do you have a hero? And if you do, what traits do you see on that person slash hero? I can start, but no, I don't have an answer. So <laughs> a quick answer. My name is Gabriela Fuentes, pronoun she, her, hers, A in Spanish. I'm gonna add them. I haven't added them. I'm located in Des Moines. I'm originally from Bolivia and uh, hero. I. I won't say my mom. I think I always go for that one. And 
how do I see the traits? Hmm. Uh, strength, love, good listener. That was a quick answer. I'm gonna popcorn to Yasmina. Hi guys, so um, my name's Yasmina. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Um, I'm in Iowa City right now. Uh, I'm gonna leave my camera off for the day just because my house is kind of a mess. We're doing that pre-semester cleaning frenzy thing. Um, and yeah, I'm just, uh, what was the other part of that? Oh, a hero. Um, I guess one of my heroes has always been, I kind of have one of those quick answers like Gabriella just had, um, where I would say my godmother, she was one of the people who actually brought the concept of a black student union to the state of Iowa. And then eventually like ended up being an education professional PhD um, person at UNI um, who then like lectured around the state and really was an advocate for like upward bound and um, programs to promote, uh, promote like rights for marginalized um, students and to get them into like secondary education. So I guess like from that, I learned, even though she never had kids, um, I remember when she died in 2017, there was like 300 people at her funeral. And it just kind of really sent the message that like, even though, because I feel like for a long time, especially growing up in the state of Iowa, I'm taught as a woman, I need to have kids that people will remember me. And I'm like, look at this woman who left this legacy and did so many great things. And it was just through like her advocacy and her work that like she brought people together who didn't have any blood relation. I just think that's such a cool message. So sorry for that little soapbox there. I went on a little bit of a tangent, but um, yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Let me pull up everybody. I'm gonna popcorn to Heather. Okay, my, my name is Heather. My pronouns are she and her and AF and I am in Iowa City currently. Um, I would say my hero is, I'm, I'm researching her, but Robin Tyler, she was one of the original um, radical feminists. And when I say original, um, the ones that when radical feminist, radical feminist was not hijacked by TERFs, um, she is, been a consistent ally and he's has even put her body body on the line to protect trans women um and i really i really admire her and i would say the um the trait that i really admire her is just uh courage to um put aside put aside privilege in order to protect those who are marginalized so I am going to uh, popcorn this off to Amanda or Mandy. Sorry, I had to get myself unmuted there. Um, my name's Mandy. Pronouns are she, her. I'm in Iowa City. And that felt like a really hard question. <laughs> but I think. The only person that's really popping into my mind actually is um, Mazahir. Um, she's one of the only people that I've seen get into council type politics and not um, compromise any of her values or the things that she fought for, even when everybody else was against her. I have a lot of admiration for that. 
She was our mayor pro tem up until this most recent election. And I will popcorn to Rue. Hi, I'm Rue, pronoun she, her. I'm in Davenport, so, you know, almost Illinois, um, away from all the action in Des Moines. Uh, also, I'm going to keep my camera off, but for a different reason. It was my birthday last night, and I have never looked so hungover in my life, so. <laughs> um, my hero is probably my great-grandmother. She wouldn't have called herself a witch, but I think she was. She did a lot of bucking of norms and defying the church, and I take a lot of my strength and my rebelliousness from her. I will popcorn to Aline. Aline, I will learn to say it. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Uh, it's Aline. You got it perfectly. Uh, so my name is Aline. Uh, I am uh, not from the Midwest. I'm actually originally from Canada and moved here from right outside of DC. Um, but I like Iowa a lot. It's a nice place. Um, and my hero, uh, what came to mind is uh, Roxanne Gay actually. Um, and I say her because I recently started uh, reading her work and also learning about um, her story and her experience with trauma. Um, and uh, she has a very interesting perspective, I think, on how people cope with trauma um, and also does a nice job of, I think, shedding uh, or shedding light on other people's stories from different walks of life to really highlight the all the different ways that uh, people can experience trauma and then respond to them. So, so thanks for having me. I think, sorry, was I supposed, I, I guess I'll popcorn over to Micah. Micah, we, <laughs> we all know you, of course, but um, if you have a hero to share, that would be cool. Uh, sure. Yeah, I can. I guess I can introduce myself. Um, I'm Micah. Uh, so I was just going to say you guys are all my heroes for being here today and for being so brave for coming on to the podcast. Um, I think, yeah, you guys are engaged um, and I think that's really special. So I wanted to share that, that um, it's very special to me. Um, so thank you once again. You guys are my heroes. So yeah. Um, I had to say that. So I was just like, y'all call on me. Okay. Um, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, do you guys, is that good? Do you want to get into it? If somebody joins, they join. Okay, sure. Uh, so I just have a couple of group questions for you guys. Um, they're pretty simple questions. Um, they're mostly about community and um, being intersectional and, you know, banding together. And um, you guys can go ahead and unmute yourself if you have a, if you want to answer. Uh, and yeah, okay. Um, so. The first question is, why is banding together and putting aside differences um, more important than divide? Well, I would say that 
right now we can't afford to um, because we, unfortunately, we are not in power and decide, decide who is opposing uh, choice and bodily autonomy. They are as they are united as ever. Um, and I think it's important that we, you know, put aside, um, not just put aside our differences, but we also need to build alliances with non people that aren't may not be traditionally on our side, but if we can convince them that bodily autonomy is the same thing as like personal liberty, we can reach like libertarians and, and even the few pro-choice conservatives that are out there. Um, and my, my take is we've kind of put all of our eggs in one basket as pro-choice people. And I think going forward, we need a new strategy. Is that just my take? Yeah, Gabriella, you can go. <laughs> I was like, should I go? Um, yeah, I believe that we are humans and the only thing that we have in common is our differences. We are always gonna think differently. We are gonna believe different things. So if we acknowledge that all of us are differences and if we embrace those differences, I imagine that we can agree in something. So remaining together is the only way to stay stronger, to know each other better, as Heather mentioned, right? Like, so if we know each other better, standing together, we are gonna know what, a strategy, what a strategies we can find next. We can talk about it. Like that's what differentiate, differentiations, uh, differentiation, <laughs> differentiate us from animals. We can talk. I know that it's part of our human nature fighting as well, but we can talk, we can have conversations. So I will say during these times, I know that it's hard that our health, our well being, it's part of a political agenda. But if we remain together, if we acknowledge our differences, that's the only way to regain that power. So this is the time just to keep together and continue working together. Thank you. Um, I love what Gabriella is saying and sort of the ball that Heather talked about getting rolling and how all I wanted to do was yell. I wanted to scream and fight. And I feel that if that can be put in things like letter writing and talking to your politicians, that's one thing. But if we don't have the candid conversations to we can understand about it, where, because when you're talking to somebody who you're on the same level with, if you can't find a way to convey what means something to you, that's not talking anymore. It's just static. 
even within doing similar types of work for similar causes, everybody has a different perspective and different experiences and different strengths. And I think that you'll always be able to get more done when you pool all of those together. Oh, Rue, yeah, you can repeat that if you wanted to. Okay, I'm sorry. I think I just have spotty internet. <laughs> um, I think the gist of it was I wanted to fight on every issue and yell about them, but we need to take that anger and put it into a meaningful way to politicians and letters to the editor and then have civil conversations and find commonalities with people who aren't in positions of power. I hope that came through better. Yeah, no, that makes sense. All right, so my next question is, um, so where does intersectionality come into this? Um, I've talked to all of you and you all come from different backgrounds um, and different causes. And I've spoken with you all about different topics and yet it all comes to together. And why is that so important? Well, I think um, as we talked about, and I think something that's very important now that we are aware of um, the reality that gender is not binary, gender and sex is not binary, that um, bodily autonomy and reproductive rights is not just a white cis uh, female um issue but affects other people because not every woman has a uterus and not every person who has a uterus is a woman and so we and um i think for so long since uh roe v wade was decided we have framed this issue as the traditional like a woman's right to choose and I think the challenge is, is that we need to take gender out of this issue um, and have it, when we're talking about reproductive, if we just say reproductive justice and bodily autonomy, gender is not mentioned at all. Um, and I think that's one of the, one of the barriers. Um, I know that there's, been issues of of how white centered uh, the topic of abortion is on and about the experiences of mainly white women. Um, I think that we need to start centering um, um, people of color and uh, BIPOC people into the equation and li listen to their experiences as well. So I think we have a lot of work to do and how we frame this issue from going forward. So. Yes, Mina, you can go. Um, I was just gonna say that I also think um, an aspect of intersectionality here that isn't widely talked about is 
age when it comes to reproductive um, rights and how people are looked at, you know, if they go in to a doctor. And I guess so maybe I should start with by saying I feel like a lot of people look at reproductive rights and they think that it stops and ends with legislation and what's happening in the legal system and the courts and that sort of thing. But it, a lot of it actually happens in one-on-one -on -one interactions with patients and doctors. So no matter what the laws say, if I, as an indigenous African person walk into a doctor's office and they, and they know that I am African Arab, I can't just because there's legislation that says they have to offer me XYZ doesn't stop a doctor from going, we won't offer you XYZ because we think you'll have 17 kids by the time you're 25 or whatever it is. And like, just speaking from real life experience of a doctor looking at me and saying, oh, you're 22 and unmarried. Oh, but you must be having kids soon. Like, nope, not at all. Oh, oh, but isn't that in your culture? Like those kind of comments that, you know, so just the legislation doesn't stop that sort of bias happening. Um, and then also as a person who is 22, um, looking at things like reproductive justice in terms of operations um, like hysterectomies or vasectomies and young people going in and saying, these things could better my life and doctors going, wait till you're 30, wait till you're 35. And so that's, I think an aspect of intersectionality that's often overlooked is that there's an age disparity happening too when it comes to reproductive rights. That's a really good point. <clears throat> I also think just in general, action needs to be intersectional because reality is intersectional. Regardless of what you're working on, whether it's reproductive justice or climate justice or restraint and seclusion in schools or anything like that, um, those are not isolated subjects. They tie in together. The impacts are not proportional across all demographics. And the problem is intersectional. It has to be addressed intersectionally. And I agree with you all, especially uh, Mandy, when you say it's not an isolating issue, right? So when we see that reproductive rights, <clears throat> excuse me, when we're getting restrictions related to reproductive rights, we are seeing this gap with health inequalities that they are affecting people of color, LGBTQ community, people with low incomes, people living in rural places, maybe they don't have access, they don't have money to, to get these services. So we right now we just name, name four issues that they are working all along when we talk about intersectionality. I just think this is the biggest challenge for all of us as kind of mention it as well, Mandy and all of you, so many people treat reproductive rights or reproductive justice as one issue, and it's not. It's affecting so many people, so many lives at the same time. Um, we need to take, we need to consider intersectionality very seriously. All right, um, so what do you think uh, we as a community can do to support reproductive freedom? I can chime in here real quick. Um, 
I think what's really helpful is people coming forward with their stories of um, going through systems that you know are uh, skewed against you know people of certain demographics because um, I think a lot of people have a hard time imagining the consequences uh, of this legislation because they don't realize who it's affecting and they see who it's affecting as being you know someone far away from them not people in their own backyard but I think if more people realize that this you know does directly affect people in their lives their neighbors their loved ones um, it would give them more of a stake in the issue and they might be feel more motivated to change their minds based on who it's directly hurting that they care about. I would also add in that I really think and this um, that we need to start reaching out to audiences that might not be opposed to us but are like on the fence so not everyone who says that they are pro-life is necessarily anti-choice um i've talked i know quite a lot of people who identify as pro-life but when you probe into their mindset fundamentally they do believe that the choice belongs to the person and that you know they do support roe v wade they just personally couldn't um have an abortion themselves and so i really think reaching out to those people reaching out uh, again reaching out to people who are all about who are like libertarians you know who they want government out of their lives and i think we need to make common cause with them because um if we do that like that there's more of a logical sink in that and that's we're saying okay we want the government out of our bodies and libertarians are saying we just want the government out of our out of our full lives and so we can i believe we can make common cause with them um, because you know, I'm just going to be blunt from someone who came from the right. One of the arguments that we put forward is that, well, if you're saying that you're pro-choice, how come it's only in regards to abortion and contraception? Why don't you support, you know, um, my right to choose my right to choose where I send my, um, send my, how my kids are educated even even the issues of vaccination or not or not to be vaccinated um those are the issues and if we cannot come up with an answer that makes it look like we're we only care about you know personal freedom and this one issue then i think we're losing and that's why i think that's why we're losing because we need to show them that we you know um, can be aligned more with them, if that makes any sense. Um, if I'm okay to jump in. Okay, awesome. I was just gonna say, uh, 
that as somebody who's worked a lot in the information services industries like libraries and that sort of thing, um, what I believe is the biggest thing we can do in our community right now is ensure that information and resources are being spread um, because we can have these services and resources offered in the community, but if no one knows how to access them, then what's the point of having them anyway? And this ties into, so information and resources, like giving comprehensive and inclusive sex ed in schools, that's giving information, um, making sure that um, there's no um, censorship of ideas in libraries and schools and um, even on college campuses and that sort of thing. And I just think that's like the very minimum step. So before we can build anything else that we have to make sure that everyone is on the same page. So information for me equals equity in a way almost. Yeah, I believe that what can we do? This change starts from yourself. As Jasmina said, starts with information. Uh, learning more about what's going on in your context, your neighborhood, uh, your history, books. Right now, Iowa is facing a huge problem with books that politicians, they want to ban real history. They want to ban sex education books because they consider obscene material. They, they consider them as an obscene material. So you start from yourself, you get that information, and then you start building your community. You, you start building networking. You start connecting with people who really wanna work with the same issues that you're working with. When you build your community, when you build those connections, you start to take action. How do you take action? You sign up for newsletters, you sign up for organizations, uh, activities, volunteer. There are so many organizations in Iowa that are working with the issues that we care about. In this case, repro issues. Um, well, well, as you know, that's how, that's how I met uh, Heather, Micah, and Rue. With Planned Parenthood, you can sign up with, we have an activity every month and we always complain that most of these times we don't see younger folks. We see older folks and that's amazing, but we need to see youth because that's the change, like the future that we are working right now, it's gonna be yours. If you wanna have children, that's the future of your children. So uh, join activities, become a volunteer, one Iowa, um, ICARVA, Iowa Coalition Against Domestic Violence, CASA, uh, I, I mentioned already Planned Parenthood, Iowa Abortion, Abortion Access Fund. Um, if I'm missing, there are so many, but right now those are the top that I have on my head. And that's the way that you could make a change. Start for yourself and make sure that you take action. Take action is not just talking about, yeah, this situation is really bad. It's really bad, so do something. Build a community and take action together. That brings us to the same question, I mean, to your first question, Micah, remaining together. You can take action with people with you. <laughs> so yeah. I think Gabriella makes a really good point about community and Yasmin about the libraries and the resources. And I think on that same trajectory to fight the fake clinics, specifically here in Davenport, there's quite a few. And to educate people about the harm that they're bringing and 
maybe protest at them or just spread awareness to the younger people like this is not somewhere you should go for health care, um, those sorts of things. Is it possible like I don't know if maybe I can share some of the repro rights bills that Iowa might be expecting this legislative session is this the moment to do that just to since we are talking about what we could do yeah uh, yeah maybe people yes yeah okay so um, oh. legislative session started January 10th this last Monday and even though politicians said that they are not gonna talk about abortion because the constitutional amendment passed last session. And I don't know, can I ask if you are uh, informed about what's going on with the constitutional amendment? They're trying to take abortion out of it, right? Yes. So the thing is the Iowa constitution protects the right to have an abortion. So what politicians are doing, they wanna change the constitution so abortion is not gonna be safe and of course legal anymore. And that's what they call the constitutional amendment. In Iowa, we have legislative sessions every year, but the thing is they are divided in two parts. So for example, 2021 legislative session, it's the first part and they continue working in 2022. So all the bills that passed in 2021, they don't need to be introduced in 22 again because it's the same session. So unfortunately, the constitutional amendment passed in 2021. So that's why it's not gonna be introduced this year, but it needs to pass two consecutively legislative sessions in order to go to the ballot. So if constitutional amendment passes in 2022, it has already two legislative sessions that passes and it's gonna go to the ballot in 2024. It's a long battle right now that we are facing with the constitutional amendment. But the thing is, um, we were thinking that they are gonna continue attacking abortion. Right now we are losing this battle in Iowa, um, but politicians mentioned because constitutional amendment passed, in la passed last year, they are not gonna introduce any bill related to abortion this session. But we had some bills that they are still, that they can bring possible again this 2022. One of them, well, they say that they are not gonna talk about abortion, but we were waiting for a 12 week abortion ban or a Texas style bill that is gonna ban abortion, maybe starting from the sixth week, 15 week or 12 weeks. Like, let's see if they, if they really, if they are loyal to their words and if they don't introduce any. But Rue mentioned this about fake clinics. They might introduce a bill that um, they want to fund these crisis pregnancy centers. They want to use Iowa money for these fake clinics. So we just need to be aware if they're gonna introduce this bill. Another one that might happen 
It's the abortion reversal bill. Politicians not based in science believe that if you take your first medication to have your abortion, and if you regret about it, you can, you can be pregnant again. And this is not scientifically proved, but they are insisting that, that you can go back. So maybe we're gonna be waiting uh, something like that. And of course, Heather mentioned there's, right now there are tons of attacks with the LGBTQ community. Last 2021 session, 15 anti-LGBTQ bills were introduced in one year. Every year we're breaking records. From those 15 bills, 13 were focused on transgender students. And even though most of these died last year, we are waiting that they continue the attacks with transgender students this year, this year, sorry. And last but not least, uh, we have heard, especially Senator uh, Chapman mentioned that educa education, the materials that they are providing is obscene material. So they really wanna push on banning books. Um, and as I mentioned before, this is real American history and sex ed. So hopefully they don't get banned. This is what's going on in Iowa. And that's why when I said before that you need to take action, grab an organization, grab your friends, and please advocate if something is, if something is not right, because uh, everything is on the table right now. Everything is at risk. And one last thing, I'm so sorry that I'm talking a lot. Um, one last thing, at the federal United States level, we are gonna know the oral arguments if Roe v. Wade is gonna be overturned in June. So because they are working on a case that it's called Jackson versus Dobbs, Mississippi. If Roe is over, overturned, Iowa might work in getting a trigger law that, that that means that if we lose our right to have an abortion in the federal level, Iowa is gonna take action immediately if they introduce a trigger, a trigger law. So things are looking really bad at the state level, but also at the federal level. In June, uh, in February, we're gonna hear some arguments as well about the 24 hour waiting period that the Supreme Court in Iowa, not the federal one, uh, it's, um, it's managing right now. So I'm so sorry. If, if you have questions, please ask me because I know I wasn't, I wasn't planning in sharing all these, but I know it was kind of like a lot. So, so sorry, but ask me if you have questions. And I do, it's Heather, I do want to chime in on another court case that um, is very pertinent. I really think that we should take um, keep an eye on out. It's there was a Polk County District Judge um, 
who ruled in the case of Vasquez versus uh, Department of Human Services that the bill, the law that prohibited Iowa Medicaid from covering transition related surgeries is unconstitutional and uh, the law has been overturned and Medicaid has to provide for such surgery services. And so we don't know what's happening. There's threat that it's going to be appealed to the State Court of Appeals and ultimately to the Iowa Supreme Court. But there's also going to be an effort and I think this there's um, um, there's momentum from what happened in Virginia of they are really going to try and push to have gender identity taken out of the Iowa Civil Rights Act. Um, and I think because it's an election year and they want to get their base out, they are going to try and um, get there's they're going to try and push for some of the more extreme anti trans bills like I'm seeing like either a bathroom bill or a sports ban for trans girls. Uh, so one of the things I think that we definitely definitely need to do is that um, as part of intersectionality is that we need we definitely need cis women to come um, come raise your voice saying, okay, stop speaking in her name because a lot of these a lot of these anti-trans legislation is supposed to be protecting cis women and our protect our women and our girls from the scary trans people. Um, and um, we need our cis allies to show up in mass and saying not in our name. So, uh, and tying in with the right to bodily autonomy, our right, trans people's right to access our medical care, including surgeries, should be is a fundamental right. And that needs to be part of the discussion when we're talking about uh, choice and that we're not just talking about abortion and reproduction, but also for making the healthcare decisions, keeping healthcare decisions between ourselves, our doctors, and if appropriate, our partners. So um, yeah, I really, I just want people to be aware that right now it is legal. It's still, um, people on Medicaid can get surgery, can access surgeries now, um, but that's going to be up in the air. So uh, make sure to keep your eyes out uh, for any developments. So thank you. That's perfect. I was going to ask, one of my last questions was going to be, what do you think the future holds for us Iowans? So um, I'm glad you guys answered that. Um, so my last question was going to be, um, do you think it's time to revamp Roe? Um, 
And this one's kind of a hard one because there, I know that there's been talks of letting Roe fall so we can come back with the stronger, better laws that make abortion more accessible. I don't know if anybody has heard anything or heard talks about this, um, if that makes any sort of sense. Um, but I don't know if anybody can speak uh, about that um, at all. I be very positive. I cannot imagine that Roe v. Wade is gonna be overturned. But the more I contact folks from other states that work or even my personal friends, right? Uh, I'm realizing that this might happen. So there's a high chance that Roe might be overturned this June. Uh, this week, New Jersey, for example, they, uh, they created a bill to protect abortion in New Jersey because they actually are expecting that this is gonna happen. So this is how bad the situation is right now. Uh, the only hope that we have though in Iowa, first is our Supreme Court. Hopefully, well, first is that not non-bills related to abortion are, are introduced this legislative session. Second is gonna be Iowa Supreme Court. But unfortunately, the governor nominated many partisan people there. They should be nonpartisan, but unfortunately, they are. And third, maybe the only hope that I have, I was gonna have elections this November. As long as we choose people who protect reproductive rights, that might save us because legislative sessions the, you know, these next years, they're not, not gonna be as rough as these ones that we just had. Um, but that's how I see it in Iowa. It's bad. Ruby, you can go. Um. I don't see having ideally Roe was a good part. I think there's a lot of expansion for bodily autonomy, trans individuals, birth control, um, a lot of factors that we don't really talk about when we're fighting for abortion. Oh, internet unstable. Um, <laughs> but just a, a federally mandated expansion of protecting, you know, if you want a tubal ligation at 19, that's your decision, you should be allowed to do it, those sorts of guarantees. I can chat if it got lost in translation. I definitely think that there can be a lot more done legislatively as far as bodily autonomy and healthcare accessibility and stuff goes. But I think that going about that by intentionally letting Roe versus Wade fall and trying to start from the ground up is a very risky gamble and not one that would be the path that I would wanna take. Um, I think that getting through this battle and keeping Roe versus Wade in place and then trying to push for new expansions and laws personally feel safer to me as far as that question went. Can I share another thing that I'm scared about? Yeah. So 
coming, you know, I've lived in Latin America my entire life, in Bolivia. Uh, the fight to get abortion legal is still there. In my country, it's not legal yet. Uh, only Argentina and Ecuador, I believe, are the only two ones who have abortion legal in Latin America. This fight has been extremely rough. And once I've heard one person saying, you, when US sneezes, it's like a virus. All countries want to do the same. And I thought about Trump, for example, right? Uh, when Trump became president, automatically many people like Trump, like extremely right conservatives, they were running for office to become presidents. So I'm extremely scared that if Roe is overturned in US, this is gonna be a clear image for people who I call it colonized minds, who think that US is the best country ever. And this might affect terribly the fight that uh, most of feminists and movements have been doing there. So it's extremely scary. And maybe not only in South America, I have many friends living in Africa as well, that the fight is really rough, especially because church has a lot of power when they are making decisions. It's extremely scary that all the work that we've been doing throughout all these years, when it's not legal yet, it might be, it might be over. And it's, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's really scary to think about. Um, well, that's all the questions I had for y'all. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Micah. Yeah. Thank you. I enjoyed being on here. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, I wish that we could end on a happy note instead of a sad. <laughs> happy <laughs> note. We yeah. are together. Yeah. We are together. Like people, we are together. I know that it seems that we might be lose it all this year, but that goes back to the beginning of this conversation. Remaining together is the biggest strength that we can do right now. So if you feel bad, if you need to heal, you know, just grab your friends, have an activity, a healing activity with your community, with your friends. I know it might sound overwhelming, but we need to do a lot this year if we want to keep our rights safe and legal. Keep our rights. For sure. And Micah, congratulations on your first season of your new podcast. It's oh, thank really you. nice to be a part of it. Yeah, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do this without you guys. So um, you guys are the true stars. <laughs> okay, so that was the season one wrap up of Repros for Iowa. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or if you would like to be on the show, um, please email me at reprosforiowa at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, I also have a Patreon set up uh, for the show. Um, but until next time in a couple of months, I hope everybody um, has a good couple of months and stay safe and we will see you next time.